Hello, and welcome to another episode of Today in Dystopia. I am Jacob Dallas, and I'm here with... Can I say your real name? Is that fine? Uh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Harris Collier. No one's listening to this. Yeah, it's I'm, fine. I'm glad that's the one you went with. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> Harris, do you want to uh, introduce yourself here? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, my name's Harris. I, um... I, I, I don't really do anything. Like, I program. I, I play Smash Bros. and Guitar Hero really nice. I watch a lot of movies, and, like, that's half the reason I'm on this. I really like, you know, talking about cinema. And then also, like, I got, like, nepotism. Jake and I have known each other for a hot minute. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, we're sliding into this podcast pretty easy if we take those. Well, last week I had a – you're back-to-back with an environmental science expert to talk about children of men. So, oh, nice. Which yeah, was yeah. not nepotism at all. It was just my fiance. So. Oh, of course. Yeah. Environmental yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, scientist, children of men, uh, Kamsai Wally. I we had the world's name. premier Orwell scholar on for 1984, Mr. Trent Nicholas. Oh, so, of course. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I had to follow it up with the true heaters. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. all right. So, we're talking about Wally. Um, I'm just going to say right now, if you haven't seen the movie, you're probably not going to follow this conversation very well. And you shouldn't. Uh, if you haven't seen Wally in the like 2021 and a dominee then um i i shouldn't actually endorse putting people down on (laughs) you just go watch the movie yeah i'll give a quick plot summary if you haven't seen it since like a few years um but yeah yeah watch watch the movie Uh, i gave more leeway to someone who's not read 1984 not seen children of men but this one this one is you don't get any excuses on wally yeah you know um okay wally is a movie that took place in the 29th century and uh yeah consumerism and greed and all that stuff it's just obliterated the earth it's just uh, everything is destroyed the whole earth is covered in trash all the humans have fled um and one little robot named wally which stands for uh, waste allocation load lifter earth class nice um uh, is basically supposed to clean up the trash, but the Wally program failed. All the other Wallys died. This one like adapted and overcame somehow. And basically, um, this Wally has become obsessed with human culture and like sort of digging the wreckage of like human civilization out. Wally ends up meeting a robot named Eve, who is uh, searching for uh, plant life and just sort of this dead program that they just like run through the uh, run through the motions on. They find plant life and uh, basically take it to uh in space where the humans are living the humans have basically just become degenerated um like fat lards who float around in hover chairs and have everything attended to them by robots um and everything is owned by this company by and large which is just this sort of like walmart amazon kind of stand-in that owns everything yeah. and basically the uh the systems of control the robots specifically the uh pilots or the co-pilot try to stop Wally and the gang and the you know the their friendly humans from getting the plant and the proof of life to the core of the ship, um, which basically will return the humans to Earth. They successfully do so, and the humans get to return to Earth and basically get to restart their history. Um, this time with robots on their side, but still they get to like become humans again. They learn to walk, literally learn to walk again. They learn what Earth is, and they return to this like dead husk of a world. Uh, and the credits promise that the animals somehow come back and everything's going to be good and awesome and yada, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah. Did I, did I miss anything, you think? That's pretty much it, yeah. I mean, anything else I figure we're just going to cover in mm-hmm. talking about some of the questions the movie raises or, like, so some of the messages it tries to push, that kind of thing. But, yeah, more or less, that's, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So, 
with that out of the way, what do we want to like? What I always try and ask is, what are our big takeaways? Like, if we're gonna talk like bullet point, like PowerPoint themes from this movie, like what are a few themes we're just taking away? All right. So the first one that I think like everybody recognizes is the environmentalist message. Primarily, yeah. I, I remember back when the movie came out. Um, at, at least in my local area, area, there started to be a much larger push for uh, reduce, reuse, recycle. Just a lot of stuff from uh, the U.S.'s ad council in pushing a more environmentalist message. And uh, a lot of uh, movies at the time, or at least like this one, I'm like this is this is very much like anecdotal. But uh, movies like Wally really supported that, right? And so. Um, you know, it's, it's mostly due to um, excessive human waste and just kind of the greed of consumption uh, needlessly that kind of ruined the earth and even more so, like, continues on in the humans, like, apparent utopia, dystopia, which I figure we'll talk about in a little bit. But, um, yeah, like, Wally's entire knowledge of human existence is marked just by crap that humans left behind, whether that's, like... Uh, I don't know, B&L lighters, uh, iPods, Rubik's Cubes that are, like, old yeah. and dusty. I saw a B&L wedding ring in there, which I thought was interesting to think that they were, like, mass-producing, like, stuff that was supposed to yeah, be... Yeah, like, it's to the yeah. point where there's, like, a scene with the president, and it's just, like, the president of the company. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's another thing that it's I It's worth noting, like, the environmentalist message and, like, the sort of, like, message about this, like, huge consumer thing. There was, like, actually a little bit of backlash. I know The Week wrote, like, a big hit piece on Wally where it called uh it called Wally a West Coast liberal. <laughs> like like the, the robot, a West Coast yeah, yeah, liberal. Yeah. Uh Rod Dreher wrote a piece um criticizing Wally. He actually comes around to saying Wally has like a conservative message, but he then criticizes it. I don't know. It's a uh, so there was like some backlash to Wally okay. um from this sort of like right wing. But it wasn't it was like it wasn't huge or anything, but that yeah. there was like an actual like level of people being offended about it. Now, like I never met anyone who was offended by Wally. Yeah. I gotta say, but I, I think it's probably just like um, I, I remember uh, back in the days of middle school Harris going through online forums looking for ways to be upset. I, I saw a bunch of people like outraged over like the Beauty and the Beast remake because uh, it was like promoting like uh, what's like bestiality or some crap like that so <laughs> it's like awesome. it's 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 not like straight like outrage culture for the sake of being outraged but it's it's like a little bit past mm. that, right but no there was this was you know a little earlier what is this 2009 yeah. this movie or 2008 2008 yeah yeah so i think the outrage culture was more in its infancy of the like mass media like in social media and this was more like a blog era like absolutely piece. yeah like something awful kind of forums or something like similar that. to yeah. like the uh mike pence blog post you ever seen about that Milan, about Milan? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a little later than that but uh yeah, yeah. or like that um uh, a better example um, that I was thinking of over the Beauty and the Beast one, I remember Fox News ran a piece on the Muppets in 2011 How that was um, uh, it had like it's anti-corporate message or like not even like anti-corporate Which Muppet message. movie? Like the 2011 one with the uh, the, the man of the Muppet song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jason Siegel. Jeez. Yeah, so like uh, the, their entire message had like some like communist undertones or crap like that. <laughs> Famous uh, communist Jim Henson. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's but awesome it's it's incredible i yeah yeah anyway i i, I knocked this off a little bit there but uh what, what, what yeah. was there anything else you were going to say on themes yeah and we can get into the themes you know for sure yeah so i think um like the the big ones of course are um 
excessive greed and consumerism and how that ties into environmental waste. And the one that I think is like especially interesting is the way in which humans let that perpetuate through uh, kind of their comfort with this easy dopamine. Like for example, you, you look at the humans on the ship, uh, you know, they're, they're all morbidly obese, they have no need to walk anymore because they have the convenience of just laying around all the time. And you have, um, you have just like easy food to just like drink out of a cup, which is like, um, just a really nice streamlined disgusting way to like yeah. that. I it's like know. a cupcake in a cup. Yeah, right. So that it, that was pretty gross. Yeah. yeah. It's um almost what I said when I was watching it the other night was mm -hmm. uh rewatching it was this is almost the like Elon Musk-esque dream of how we escape of the cycle right like the idea of we can just sort of escape this and go somewhere else while we you know pretty much any thinking person knows that's not actually possible right like you can't actually become separate from the earth like this is the idea that you would build these gigantic arcs to leave the earth and just sort of dwell in continuous consumerism until just the sun dies um, I think, and uh, presumably leaving behind the vast majority of Earth's population. You know, it never says it, but there's only so many ships that launch. Yeah. And they are advertising the ship's launch. Right. Which makes me think it yeah. might have been a few billion that got left. Right. Like, I, I do want to give the benefit of the doubt and say that, like, because it by and large is just, like, a giant reach over the Earth, like, they might have been able to bypass, like, typical, like, class barriers. But at the same time, they probably just left that ambiguous because it's, it's a movie targeted towards younger audiences and that maybe kind of that's just like my own reading of it that so shows something about me that i'm like oh yeah no like half the earth at least died yeah but you know and also it implies it. there at least were other ships it called the axiom the jewel of the fleet which is the ship they go to oh which yeah. is interesting that's i don't be weird to think about like wally's spin-off series yeah different like ships taking off and then them dying out I like to imagine the different ships like make different cultures or whatever like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the uh, vaults and fallout or something like that. Yeah, That'd precisely. But the axiom itself is basically just this, uh, this self, uh, this self like uh, masturbatory, like obsessive, just like um, consumption machine. It's just everyone all the time floating around, going wherever they want. They have just endless leisure. But they don't spend it on, like, anything that feels real. Like, they literally don't look past a screen floating in front of their face. Like, a holographic right. screen. So even their connections, like, they all... And it's played for humor, and it is funny. Two guys driving next to each other talking. Yeah, they're right next to each other. They're right yeah, next to each other. Like and, like, you can... First depiction of humans, too. I right. Besides the live-action present. And, sure, you could, like, be like, oh, it's a phone bad thing. And, like, you know, to an extent, yeah. But, yeah. like, also... To an extent, I have a little boomer in me that's like, maybe phone is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not totally wrong. Yeah. It's not totally wrong. Um, right. But you've got this, like, and these people, I mean, literally slurping food from a cup, and they've got robots doing everything for them, and the robots are, like, the people they talk to and their relationship. Like, you've got the captain character who, uh, like, it seems to be the only person he ever talks to and is this little robot that's, like, controlling his every action. Yeah. That treats him like, like acts like his parent, like tells him when to wake up in the morning and stuff. Right. Um, it's it's like they achieved this like fully automated luxury that people like like the the communists talked about in the nineteen twenties, but like with none of the like human self actualization. Yeah. Just like they had machines to do all their work for them, like Kropotkin esque. But um, 
like how he said it was going to be when technology developed. But they're just yeah. still like just doing nothing but stuffing their faces. Yeah, like the, the simple pleasures like it keep humans kind of like in their or they they keep them satisfied but not wanting more, right? Like I um one of the notes I took was uh it's kind of like a Brave New World type dystopia where mm. the humans aren't forced into cages with like a titanium prod, a la something like 1984. Uh, they more like gleefully comply to go into the cages due to like the gratification of the treat mm -hmm. inside. In the case, just like uh, basic um, self-realizations or um, fulfillments of like uh, food and entertainment. And then like, uh, I, I noticed there was like that undercurrent of like... Uh, empty self-confidence through the, or empty confidence through others like the beautician bot or whatever that uh -huh. kind of thing but it just yeah recites the same lines to everyone uh, yeah yeah it's and i mean the whole yeah the whole society is i mean like is just them consuming and consuming it's like an endless uh it's like an it's like a permanent disney world or something yeah um, <laughs> which is ironic yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean the whole thing is ironic because i mean you can read this you know, if not, like, literally anti-capitalist, it's very much, like, anti-like consumerism, anti-like, you know, I'm not gonna, like, sit here and be, like, yeah. Wally is a revolutionary text. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, like, put my, like, you know, I'm not gonna project that much onto it. What I will say, though, is it is obviously, like, anti-consumerist, anti-monopolist, anti-like, everything Disney literally is, it is anti. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I... I think it's what makes Wally interesting for me is it's not only anti like the establishment of these kinds of corporations that really feed into this like vicious cycle where like mankind keeps indulging into in their vices and so the powers that are exploiting that they maintain and grow the control. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also interesting to look at how they see the um the people who are feeding into the system like the um the rats on the wheel, right? Like the the humans in this case and how um they're letting their simple indulgence in uh, being content with something um, take over any desire to progress or find something new for the human race. And whether that's like a like good thing or not, I think depends on your like outlook of the world and what mankind should strive for in like the grand scheme of things. But I, I still think it's at the very least interesting that Pixar decides to take kind of like a like dual like like a a double-edged look at it not necessarily um like putting them on equal terms obviously you know uh big bad b and l and the robot squadron are worse but still that's it's something interesting right and it's um i mean i think the whole movie can really be summarized by a line the captain says towards the end he says i don't want to survive i want to live i marked that down you yeah, know yeah, and he, yeah, yeah. the robot says this, this is the only way to survive he does not want the the robot ai who's just basically hal from 2001 yeah um and I, I don't even think they would hide. I don't think they were hiding that. Oh, absolutely um, not. I mean, no. they literally used the music from 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Also, Sparks Zarathustra as he's, uh -huh. like, taking a, like, he's evolving by taking his baby steps. Right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, but the robot is like, you know, you can't return to Earth. Photosynthesis is impossible. Sorry, the Earth's too fucked. You can't go back. And he's like, you have to survive. And he's like, I don't want to survive. I want to live. I just, 
Because, like, there's a part where they say, welcome to, like, the, the 900th anniversary of our five-year cruise yeah. <laughs> at a certain point, which is, like, pretty funny. Yeah, right, but it's yeah. also really bleak. It's They're just like, I'm sure our ancestors would be glad to see us doing the same thing they were doing, right. which is hitting virtual golf balls into space and floating around the pool that you're not allowed to splash in or go in. You right. can only float over it. You can just kind of look at it like, oh, that's nice. And yeah. say occasionally, we have a pool, you know, or we have a jogging track. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, it, it, I think that's, like, the central thing of the movie. Now, like, to bring it down a little bit uh, from that to, like, character, level of character, to Wally himself. Wally is interesting to me because he is very much a creature of Earth, yeah. despite being a robot. He is um, interested in human culture, like, the little tricks and stuff. Like, the, you know, talking about, like, the, he had the iPod Nano oh, and, the, uh, yeah, the little um, Rubik's Cube and all that. Yeah. And he is honestly much more, like... That any of the technology in the movie feels much more steampunk, much more like grinding gears and vehicle treads and like, you know, constantly replacing parts dirty like this versus like a robot like Eve that's like floating and like the and is like like just like floating free and has like gravitational power around her and stuff like that. Like she seems to be like an almost magic creature versus Wally's like very mechanical, very like click, 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 click moving of his body right. around, which makes him feel all that much more human. Of course. Yeah. And tied to the earth and a creature of this dead earth that, and you almost see this like archeological thing in Wally of him trying to uncover like humanity and just like loving those secrets of human life. And almost like, you know, you almost see like a beauty in the world we do have even the like, you know, like shitty, like corporate side of it, even like the little trashy, like things we have, little toys. Wally finds them so fascinating in uh, the absence of humanity that there is like a nostalgia for the world we presently have. Oh, for sure. Even though, even as there is a critique of the world we presently have, there is a nostalgia for it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that Wally's view of the world is fueled both by, um, some sort of, like, human nostalgia of the artifacts that are left. I mean, I'm primarily just gonna keep going back to, like, the Hello Dolly, like, golden age of musicals uh, as the prime example here. Cause of I, course, I think, which I love how they integrate it. Yeah, I mean, like, I, it sucks that I had to hear the name Barnaby uttered so many times in the first, like, five minutes of the movie, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, <laughs> this man named Barnaby. But, um... Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting, and in addition, uh, just to see the lens through, um, or like, I don't know, there, there's that obvious, like, sense of wonder in something so mechanical that's just so intrinsic to watch. Like, I, the example that's, like, directly coming to my mind is Wally seeing just this, like, old rust, er, not rusty bra, but, like, dusted bra, and just, like, using it as, like, some weird, like, sunglasses kind of thing, right? It's, it's like, same deal as Ariel using <laughs> a fork as a Wally of Shriek. <laughs> yeah, my man kind of snatched. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that, Wally, and then, you know, he forms a relationship with Eve, who is just, you know, the peak of just this floating, you know, where I'm watching the movie, like, how does Eve get powered? Because we see Wally solar-powered, uh, like, Eve just has some kind of, like, probably, like, fission power source inside of her. Yeah. She's powerful enough to shoot a laser and, like, knock over a bunch of battleships. Like, like incredibly powerful, right? incredibly fast, incredibly sleek and beautiful. Yeah. Which, there is something, like, I mean, in part of it is just, like, a fun, uh, from, like, the level of uh, writing and, like, a movie. It's just fun to see these two characters interact. So, like... Not everything has to have these massive themes behind them. Oh, sure. That said, the intersection between this new and old and that 
the new and old sort of come together to build a new synthesis um, and that the world isn't solved by going back to the way it was, but by some weird synthesis of the world of Wally and the world of Eve. And that the literal in credits of humanity prospering again is robots helping them fish with nets and yeah. hoe the ground and stuff. I think there is something in this like marriage between the, the, the knowledge of the old world and the nostalgia of the old world and what we learn and this... Um, sparkling new technology like this movie isn't like a, a kaczynski's text yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. well, <laughs> not much is but it was, yeah. it's not it's not a return to like just primitive text it in yeah. it's, it's not even an, it's not anti-technology it's not any of that yeah and yet you know you could definitely draw a level of like the dangers of technology from it. Definitely. I mean, the yeah. oceans are gone. <laughs> are yeah, literally yeah, gone. Is, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. There are, like, Wally is building literal towers of trash. Like, that's pretty much it. All day and every day. Yeah. And um, and it's supposed to be 2105 when they leave. Right. I looked it up. I don't know if it ever says it in the movie, but the creator said it was 2105. Yeah. When I think humans right. left. So, we don't have long, folks. Yeah, yeah, we got by like, and large. What like, takes over? A little less than ninety years, Pog. Yeah, so I say that's. Well, we seem to be honestly. We seem to be on track, but uh, yeah, no, we'll it's honestly it was unfortunately prescient. A few weeks ago, I was like, you yeah, know, Wally would be a fun movie to talk about. And it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, I, I, I was the same way. I, I, you were talking about Children of Men earlier. I finally watched that for the first time a uh -huh. couple weeks ago, and like, yeah, on, on a primal level, um. Like, it was obviously a fun movie because it's a lot of interesting direction. Uh, oh, yeah. They had, like, needle drops of Radiohead and King Crimson back-to-back, -back, so High School Harris was excited about Insane that. Insane that that movie lost money in the box office. Really? Insane. Damn. Lost, like, was considered a flop. That's yeah. rough. Anyway, sorry, yeah. go ahead. But, yeah, um, just just looking at it from, um, we were, we were talking a little bit about it uh, before we started recording. Just um, the the dread that fills uh, children of men, both from how humans view this uh, end of the world, not from a bang, but from like a like like smooth. Um, I don't remember what the opposite of a crescendo is. It's been like four a, just years a descent, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And um, in, in addition, uh, just kind of the undertones of how they treat both the environment and immigrants. I think it's really interesting to see how that's aged. Um, since things as like recent as I don't know, like Brexit or the Paris Accord, anything like that. Anything like that. Yeah. So Wally. I mean, obviously, to say it's prescient. I mean, it's it's a 2008 movie, so it's not like they're uh, they're. This isn't Orwell writing from the 40s. This is you know 2008. So they have a pretty yeah, it's, decent it's pretty sense. modern. Yeah. It's, you know, they you have know, a decent sense. That said, it's prescient in the sense of like me watching it the other night and like oh yeah no um just seeing videos out of the West Coast this week. And, right. Yeah, yeah. And seeing um, a literal portal of fire opening. Yeah, the, the oil Mexico. spill. Yeah, that's you know. Well, and I thought we talked about this in the last episode, but like um, you know, reading about um, places like uh, Honduras, where basically there was just entire fields that I saw with my own eyes when I was in high school yeah. that now are just considered dead zones, um, and people are leaving because they just said it is just dead. It is gone. Jeez. It's destroyed. Um, and anything they can get from just the hard earth gets destroyed by super storms that come further inland than they've ever seen. Yeah. Um, things like that, that like, you know, obviously we can here we have some issues in like the United States uh, or wherever you're probably listening from, I imagine. Yeah. 
of one of one of our twenty viewers. Yeah, <laughs> probably statistically yeah. speaking, the United US, States. Uh, actually, we have one person in Germany that listens. Um, I thought it was a mess up, but I, they've listened to all four ep- or all three episodes. So we're gonna see if they listen to this one. Oh heck yeah! Um, but Germany too. You're not off the hook. German, wherever you are, um, <laughs> you're you're not off the hook. Um, our problems, massive, huge, yeah. incredible. But like the people who would not be able to get on the by and large ship, they're still out there, and presumably by and large only took the Americans and the Germans and the yeah. British. If 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 we're being realistic, it was here. predominantly white up in the axiom. It was pretty. It was a pretty white ship right yeah. there. Um, there was uh, they threw in one uh, black captain and then like, oh, yeah. a couple black guys in the background. I think I don't know if I saw a single Hispanic person on the Axiom. Oh no! Okay, so there's we're worried. We're worried about uh yeah the the the, the Noah's Ark parallel is starting to kind of like I, I don't know whether it's solidifying or crumbling at hearing this, but you know it's frightening, is what it is. It's Absolutely. not good. Yeah, M- man, in the. Uh, the whole thing of it, and honestly, I want to bring it back around to something I referenced earlier. It was I mes- mentioned like Elon Musk and the idea of like fleeing the Earth, yeah. right? The techno bros like dream of like. Well, I mean, it it goes back to I watched a video of Elon Musk, and I mean, it's not only him, but he's the pre- premier figure. Sure. And it was about a month ago. I watched a video of him talking about that Carl Sagan essay on the pale blue dot and how yeah. fragile it is, and he called Carl Sagan an idiot and said, "We have Mars right there." Oh, huh. Right? Yeah. Okay. And I, I'm sure he believes that. Um, but like, what if we don't? Okay. So th- this is the dream of that. Great. If we get everything these people dream of, the people who are like, we're just going to flee the planet. We can do anything we want here. Yeah. If we get every single little thing that they dream of, then that's what we have to look forward to. That's the I think the by and large ships are the best case scenario for just absolute like corporate monopoly power right. honestly yeah. which sucks because it's obviously just dystopic for sure yeah yeah but that's like the best case scenario like that is the ideal like either that or a total recall yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, to, i ought to do wait, a total recall episode that would be something yeah that'd some, be pretty sick if we got some for hoven on this uh, oh discussion, man that'd be really cool oh, i, I, I could do like, a whole yeah robocop starship Fuck yeah anyway but yeah, yeah but yeah. the point is like that's that path right so like the fleeing the earth is like um, almost an optimistic scenario, right? Yeah, because um, I okay, I honestly don't really really know where exactly I'm going with this, but yeah, just, just the idea of um, instead of like trying to control like this um, unchecked hedonism, uh, where we're thinking of, about like trying to find another place to like keep the party going, and like it, it'd be nice to see like another red dot in the case of like in the case our blue dot fails, but like what about like having both, you know? Mm-hmm. Or what about like you know having somewhere to send resources to the red dot from? <laughs> yeah, I mean right. like uh, you know we can't all be uh, Matt Damon eating like potatoes on Mars. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We're not all built different, like Damon. <laughs> yeah, I've for from my experience of um, I I also watched Interstellar recently, and uh, now that I've seen two movies in the Matt Damon in space cinematic universe, mm-hmm. I, I can I can guarantee that that man is different than anybody else in that situation would be for sure. So like to um, bring it into uh, something like that, like links into the podcast's like mission as a whole. Sure. How does this? 
function as like a dystopian text, like in the annals of dystopia as they exist. How do you feel like this fits? You know what I mean? Because like it is clearly a dystopian text, like I'm just on its face. Um, but it, it's not at all similar to, you know, what you normally think of from a dystopian movie. First of all, just because it's a children's movie. But yeah. secondly, just because, I mean, it's just so hopeful. Yeah. Because it, that is the ultimate theme is hope and, and just genuine, earnest human spirit. Even if that human spirit is in a robot overcoming literally just insane odds right. and winning. Now, it doesn't have the technical... Uh, answers. It doesn't do the Ken Stanley Robinson, like, this is how we fix the problem in their fiction. It's just like, yeah, no, they went back to Earth and everything was dope. But guess what? I like it. We go back to Earth and everything is dope movie. It made me feel good. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure. So, yeah. like, but how do you feel like this functions, like, as a dystopian text? Like, if we want to, like, canonize it a little bit. Um. So, I think just looking at it as a dystopian text is really like i personally i see the movie as sort of a soft dystopia in the sense that it plays more um away from the powers that be and more into the people that comply to the power kind of as for what i was saying with the brave new world analogy earlier. sure so in the sense that um it, it seems like on some sense of paper like the the humans are in some sort of like binding agreement like they are perfectly fine with this um sort of like they're they're sort of getting their ability to, you know, be human and, like, live, as the captain said, neutered by the conveniences in front of them. But they're still getting, like, simple pleasures. And uh, other than, like, the potential undertones of um, being subservient to the robots that kind of control everything, which I think is, um, I think that's something that would be interesting to, to explore. But also, um, I do think that it is more of, like, a what-if scenario than is presented in the movie. Uh, or just, like, some sort of implication to mm. build on. But, oh, God, I hope I don't lose my train of thought right now. Anyway. Um, no, no, you're making yeah. sense. Right. So I, I I just think it's interesting to look at it from the perspective of um, humans and what they consider uh, good or bad or right or wrong in the perspective of what they want to accomplish. All right. Sorry about that. We actually uh, got interrupted um in our recording um and i'm sure this doesn't sound as good as a professional podcast would uh editing wise but you know what you'll be fine yeah. um harris what were you talking about before you were uh interrupted yeah so um, <laughs> so essentially we were kind of talking about the um uh we were t talking about the kind of dystopia that uh wally's world specifically the um the setting of the action kind of compromises, or comprises, rather. And what I was thinking is, I personally believe that it's sort of a soft dystopia in the sense that, referring back to the Brave New World analogy I made earlier, like, there, it's not like a whole totalitarian regime where a lot of people are suffering. The way they're suffering is in what they're not able to do rather than what they are able to. Well, yeah, actually, they're what they're limited to, right? Like, it's not like 1984... Um, it's not like 1984 in the sense that like their schedule is strict and they have a gun to the back of their heads and they're terrified all the time. Yeah. Rather, they're just stuffed. They're just like, I don't know, just like stuffed all the time with just gross food and, um, you know, subpar media and subpar games. Yeah. And they just sort of wander around until like, I assume they just die. Like, 
Yeah. And they've been doing it for hundreds of years and doing the exact same thing. Technology has not progressed because we see the exact – we see it all in the um, in the trailer. Not the trailer, but the commercial for the, uh, for the Axiom. We see yeah. it, pretty much everything on the Axiom in that commercial. It's identical. Technology has not progressed. There is no new art. There is no new anything. Uh, they don't – the only uh, they all wear the exact same thing, and the only deviation is them clicking a button to holographically change the color of their space pajamas. Like yeah. they, there is there is nothing uh, new that has happened. There is no uh, enrichment. There seems to be like next to no relationships. I, I have no idea how they have children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and the children and hey the children like just sit in a classroom and just get lectured by a robot about why they love by and large yeah they, they get like the typical uh like little dystopian trope where it's like uh a is for x and b is for b and l c is for some other corporation that's important to the plot like uh -huh. you gotta fill 27 letters full of that stuff and i'm pretty impressed about that but yeah, it, yeah. that's the situation they're in and in, like the thing is, the real hopeful, you know, upturn of the movie is when the humans learn to stand. And, you know, there's a very funny moment of the captain standing up and, you know, dramatically walking across the bridge yeah. to defeat the autopilot. But all the humans learn to stand. And, I mean, that's not – it's not subtle remotely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, we hate subtlety on the show because there's never been a dystopic text that was good and also subtle. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just – what? Like you gotta get the message across. You think somehow, Orwell right? was subtle. You think Huxley was subtle. You think Bradbury's like then yeah, more yeah, subtle. Wally doesn't have to be subtle. Yeah, yeah. Who gives a shit. You gotta make the message. Strong. <laughs> it, yeah. So they literally learn to stand without the help of robots, without the help of technology, and that doesn't mean though they abandon robots and technology. Clearly, it doesn't mean they abandon everything they've learned and everything they have. But they do like literally learn to stand on their own two legs. Yeah. Um. And, you know, and there's still, like, you know, these weird semi-human, not semi-human, but, like, this almost new evolutionary offshoot of humanity uh, with, like, these teeny bones yeah, and yeah. Uh, that think uh, they could grow pizza on plants. Right. No, <laughs> Maybe they figure it out. I like to imagine uh, they actually did grow pizza plants. I mean, it is the future. You would yeah, hope that, like, given enough time, monkeys and typewriters and such. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean... And I really love the end credits like I previously referred to yeah. of just them going through human history with technology on their side, but also yeah. like doing ancient human stuff like Egyptian hieroglyphics. And yeah, the different art styles. There's something artists. really um, – there's something really wholesome about that, which again comes back to this blend of like even Wally and comes back to like I guess – what the movie is almost pitching as like the ideal or the um, the ideal human condition, it's pitching as this uh, future, right? Very clearly, it is talking about going somewhere new, which is interesting to me because I think a lot of um, a lot of people making arguments against the status quo are gonna say we did it really well back then. Right? right, right. You'll hear even like like left wing critiques of um, you know like the modern. I'm not even just talking about like conservative. Like we need to go back to uh, you know like sure. the white man or whatever. Yeah, like, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, not even that. 
Like, you'll even hear left-wing critiques like, man, back when FDR was in office, we had it all together. Right, or, yeah. God knows, there's, like, you know, people who circle jerk the Soviets. But yeah. like, and I, yeah. we, Back when everybody agreed, maybe or maybe not because they were forced to. Yeah, <laughs> and it's... It, so, like, there is this idea of... And, you know, pointing at previous models is good and cool, and it does it to an extent... But it shows this literal, like, no, there is this future beyond. There is not this, um, we're not going to recreate a time that was better than now. Even though there were times that are better than now. Sure. We are going to uh, create this new time. This, uh, um, it's almost like, I mean, I was reading a, I read an article the other day, and this shows kind of me, I read, but it was just sure. called, it just said, like, socialists, stop arguing about the Soviet Union. <laughs> It's stuff like that. Yeah. It's just stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, stop. Stop. Yeah. No one gives a shit about yeah. the Trotsky-Stalin divide anymore. I'm sorry. No one cares. Go watch Death of Stalin and laugh about it and then be done. <laughs> I mean, I'm being facetious a little bit. Sure, sure. But, you know, and that's just – and that's an extreme, like, left-wing angle on it. But, like, but just generally, true. like, any kind of, like, revisionism, any kind of going back to what was, any kind of, like – I think Wally, as silly as it is to say, provides like a really incredible um, view of like an actual fulfilling, technologically advanced future. And obviously, it's not written to be realistic, which no dystopian text I think ever has. Um, like really realistic. Yeah. Maybe Kim Stanley Robinson, as I referred to earlier. But aside mm -hmm. from aside from him, um, I can't think of like any texts that are like, no, this is what it's gonna be. You know what I mean? But right. the the energy of it, and there is like so much hope in it. There is so much hope in it. like, no, 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 we don't have to destroy all the good things. We can have the good things. We just need to stop um, doing the stupid shit. Yeah, like don't settle, right? Like I'll always try to like keep pushing yourself. Um, like one of the main takeaways I got from this, from lines such as like, I don't want to survive, I don't want to live, it's just kind of this. Uh, you don't want to slow my vibe. You do want to live. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. He, he's uh, not suicidal. No, 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 no. <laughs> I do want to live. Yeah, sorry, I, I still put the tongue there. You're fine. But um, one one of the undercurrents I just got is in this kind of scenario, the comfort is the enemy of progress, right? Like mm. uh, the you you get the satisfaction of um you know just these blaze. Basic, basic um, spoon-fed pleasures, but that's just kind of an opiate to continue uh, the human race. Like you know, it's it's just for better or for worse in stasis in its own little corner of the universe, rocking it out in the action, doing nothing, right? Yeah, because presumably um, the axiom without Wally would have circled the sun, uh, feeding on its own, and everyone's just feeding on their own neuroses until like it just went supernova. Yeah. Presumably right. this would have gone on for forever because there was no, you know, um, I was thinking about this. I wonder how many um, how many plants they found that they didn't have a Wally to save. I wonder if there was just a bunch. Isn't that like, that's a way of thinking about it. Yeah. It doesn't imply that. It's just an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, you know, it could have just on its own momentum of its own ease. Yeah. Um, and of the systems just... The self-lubricated, self-running systems that require no human input, that just the algorithmic grinding forward, they could have just as this like time capsule of uh, of capitalist overconsumption circled the 
the earth and or the sun just eternally and it would have just been the most like just yeah again feeding on their just like own neurotic like self self pleasure and hedonism and not even like they don't even have fun like brave new world hedonism like they don't even have sex like it's a sexless um which like again it's a kids movie i'm not uh, yeah, but we're yeah, talking yeah. about we're talking about it from a too big perspective yeah. it's a it's a sexless like drugless like just you know it's not even like crazy hedonism it's like like it's um it's like Target Starbucks hedonism. Yeah, like, yeah, right. It's just like getting a slushy. Yeah, like it's, it's treat yourself hedonism, right? Yeah, it's like it's like buying a slushy at the like superstore and and like walking around and looking at all the the plastic shit and like buying a new toy that you're gonna forget about in an hour, like yeah, jettisoning sure. it into space, and you and your children and your children's children doing that for eternity. <laughs> it's really fucking dark. Yeah, right, right. Oh man. Yeah, oh. so that's that's what this 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 heroic little robot uh saves yeah. humanity from. This little cyborg creature. Yeah. You know, and he's not actually a cyborg, but he's so human that he feels almost like a cyborg. He feels almost like he has like this spark of human spirit in him or at the very least like this uh this all uh, this like childlike faith or something like that. This like transcendent, um, transcendent belief, you know. And he's not smart, For really. Sure. Yeah. He's not oppressive. Yeah, he's not particularly good at anything. Sure, what he is is just like genuinely earnest and has a genuine belief, like a transcendent. Like it's while he's not going up on the ship and uh, debating with the little. AI yeah, saying yeah. like no this is why like you know he's he's not yeah, he's, he's not just like MO or anything he's yeah. just doing what he knows is right sure and oh. there's something really cool and like simple about that and obviously he's got Eve to like support him there but she right. uh and she's like got this like you know this pre-programming she shatters as well yeah definitely um personally I just find it really interesting that the way I see Wally is that he's mostly an observer in the sense that the only reason he or he ever would have um gotten on the ship in the first place is just for the sake of seeing Eve more, and the on I think the only reason he really got into that impulse of connection is because of the way that he observed um the contents of what was left on Earth, such as again Hello Dolly. But I think that it's just Wally's sense of wonder that ends up being so inspirational for uh the captain and then the other robots and that kind of thing that eventually allows humanity to start to uh realize that there's more to the universe than what's beyond their screen right even if it's like the pool like three three feet of in front of you that you've never bothered to get into so yeah because wally like there's the two like random humans that wally like wakes up just yeah, by, like, like john and mary or whatever yeah just yeah. by just the presence of a of a some throwing like a log into the the spinning gears just by the just by his presence of uh just the sort of earnestness and um, just the willingness to sort of bustle around. Like, he doesn't have, like, these overarching goals. He just wants to hold hands with his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Wholesome Wally Chungus. But that is what... The, uh, yeah. That is what the... You know, it's almost like a solution It's in itself. And, like, the earnestness of this character... And the faith of this character and the belief and just, you know, basic goodness. Yeah. Um, and basic, like, real connection. Um, the belief in those things is 
uh, incredibly effective on everyone around him. I mean, like from the little robot that's like typing and learns how to wave to the yeah. humans, he knocks out of the uh, knocks out of the chair who gets to see the pool for the first time, oh, all the way yeah. up to saving the the plant that is like hum- humanity's salvation for sure. Yeah, and it's just because of like sort of earnest determination and like yeah, a very like- simple. Cooling cream, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a simple like goodness. Yeah, and like that's I mean, and it comes back to almost every dystopia that has um, a happy ending being cliched. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it comes back to like the dystopias that aren't incredibly cliched that aren't like a little cringe are the ones that are just like end in like bleak horror. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that like something good happens, it's always like, well, that was a little like you know. It was a nice little detour. Yeah, it was a little like, you know, yeah. and while, yeah, it, but, but there is like something real to just, uh, and we talked about this last episode of just like an actual human love, like an actual interpersonal um, feeling, like an actual empathy, an actual a desire for something that's not just completely immaterial is what transcends like these just gigantic horrors and like as crazy as that sounds like the consumerism and the uh the hedonism and all that is um just completely blown away before just the fucking gale of uh, a wally style earnestness yeah right no absolutely i i totally get what you're saying yeah (laughs) okay so i'm trying to wrap wrap this up yeah what do you think, if anything, you know, that you haven't already said? Is there anything else you want to take away from Wally? Is there anything else you want to say? Um, um, so there is something I do want to offer. There's, um, so yeah. in, in my research for talking about, or like, um, like preparing for this, uh, I did a lot of surfing on the web as one does. And, um, I was looking at some of the reviews on, uh, Letterboxd, uh, like a social media film site, that kind of thing. Uh, looking through reviews to see other people. People who listen to this know what Letterboxd oh, is. Yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But anyway, so one of the reviews I read, um, they were critical of the movie for its portrayal of uh, humanity. Like, uh, on some service level, of course, you can take uh, the portrayal of humans as morbidly obese and the way in which they interacted with each other with that as being, like, fatphobic to an extent. But I think more interesting is that kind of um, connection with being idle and uh, just having that grand opportunity of uh, leisure or leisure. I'm going to say leisure because, uh-huh. like, screw that, that's how John Lennon said it when I heard it in fifth grade. <laughs> anyway, um, so what, what this person argued was that uh, just having this amount of free time and leisure... Uh, it allows humans to embark on something truly glorious and start to make wonderful, innovative things rather than um, having it be sort of like an opiate, uh, creating some sort of like atrophy and numbing you into the just kind of soulless people you see portrayed on the screen. And so in, in that way, the reviewer took the um, the film as sort of pessimistic, not necessarily through its ending, but just its portrayal of uh, how humanity succumbs to its vices. So, uh, my question is, and I, I don't really have a distinct answer for this. Anything I have is anecdotal, but do you think that the proliferation of the leisure through advanced technology in this movie creates, uh, atrophy and laziness as the movie sort of suggests, or does it give humans more of the tools needed to create something glorious and wonderful, just like 
in a vacuum, say you had that free, or like humans in general had that free time, do you think they're going to do something incredible with it? Or do you think they're just going to turn into what you see here? Well, I think it depends how they obtain this free time, right? Like, do they obtain it in this way that like, I don't know, Kropotkin talks about in like Conquest of Bread, where he's like, the humans are going to work together and they're going to build systems that can take care of each other. And they're going to build strong communities. And then they're going to have so much free time to pursue the things they love. And they're going to do these awesome things. Like, is it that? Or is it by and large like making floating Disney worlds? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, because I think that's different. The leisure of a floating, endless, like hedonic Disney world is going to be different than a society that people like put their backs into to build. And, uh, and so I think that endless free time, um, the criticism that, uh, you know, the criticism is fair to say like, no, I think humans could do something wonderful with all the free time. And I agree. Sure. But the idea is they're like stripped of the potential to do that by the nature of the free time, right? They're inside yes. of a, they're inside of this insulated bubble that's already like self-regulated that they didn't build themselves. They just are consumers of like they are – they essentially bought this free time. Like it is a commodity. Yeah. You know, and yeah. we don't have the whole relationship there. We don't know how much they paid for it or how – like it, it doesn't matter. For but sure. the idea is this is a product of some sort, right? So the free time is like a purchased, purchased thing. So it's kind of similar to the um, – and, and also just the dread of the situation ruins it a little bit, right? Sure. And the uh, stagnation of it. Like they are in a system that was meant to be transitory and, and it's eternal instead. Right. Um, essentially, it's like similar to a, uh, a person who is really well off, maybe doesn't have to work hard, maybe inherited money, something like that sure. in the United States. But they still live in a world where right down you know, the street there is a homeless person. They still yeah. live in a world – that uh, has all these like horrible things, and right. So like any amount of leisure is corrupted by the fact that like the entirety of their existence is supported by the awfulness, right? Right. Like, yeah. Just for the them to be on all. the axiom, they had to obliterate the earth. They had to obliterate what gave them meaning. They had to obliterate the human spirit to get there. Yeah. Like the axiom, we don't know what its power source is, but it essentially is. Uh, 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 human just um, autonomy yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is what is just driving the thrusters. Right, like yeah. it is the, crap. yeah, the nuclear reactor is just like uh, uh, anything that makes us more than um, just giant mouths. Just yeah. everything else goes into it. So I think that's the idea. Okay, yeah. Right? Um, and something like this wouldn't actually, you know, and then the idea is it is very metaphorical. Like, uh, I can't imagine a world that like that actually pulled this off and you're not really supposed to. But I think there is a world of like great leisure that there is a potential world where like we don't have to work or we have to work very little and the work is unalienated where there is great freedom in free time. There is a really um, – you could almost directly contrast this with Star Trek. Mm. Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah uh, fully – automated luxury post-scarcity and they explore the universe but how did they get to it like humanity had to collectively build this project sure. and they are their own individuals and there is no like one uh force that commands them they are free to do as they will right. you are not free to leave the axiom you're not 
free to swim in the pool at the Axiom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the robot lifeguards. Sorry, I talked for a long time, but I feel like that deserved a long answer. Yeah, totally. And I, I, of course, I really appreciate it. I think, um, in this case, it's really hard to, uh, take, uh, that kind of situation in a vacuum because context is always going to be prevalent. And when you look at the context of the Axiom and how it was, uh, by and large is pretty much attempt to prolong humanity, if not for their own plaything, then uh, you just have to kind of look at the way they marketed space, right? Like the fact that they marketed space instead of um, using it as like something useful, like exploring it as the final frontier, it was more of like a backdrop for a theme park, the way that you could play like virtual golf or something mm -hmm. like that, right? Yeah, you hit golf balls and dump trash into space. There is yeah. no wonder at the universe. Right, right. Yeah, so, the universe is as big as like... The, the little cube around you of just uh, floating lights. Yeah. And the little slushy in It's just hand. a wallpaper, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's really all I um, wanted to go over because I, I found that point really interesting. For but, sure. Yeah, for, for sure, taking into the context of um, just what defines your capacity to be free and have that time. Like, because, you know, you, you can have, like, total freedom – and you can like be in captivity, but there there is always that. It's not just a binary, right? There's that middle mm -hmm. ground. But um, yeah, that's that's really all I had to say, or all, all I had to ask. Other than that, I um, I don't know. I think we covered a lot of ground here. Very and there's cool. A lot to cover with Wally. Like I was just looking up some of the biblical allegories earlier, which I thought were decently interesting because I know the director Andrew Stanton is a Christian, and so it's interesting to see what he had to throw in there and. In addition, just technically speaking, the movie is a marvel. Like, they got Roger Deakins to, mm -hmm. to uh, implement some sort of a deep focus, or I guess kind of lack thereof, and, like, blurring the background and having particles work and that kind of thing. It's so it's cool, cool looking. It's pretty. It's um, it's funny. Yeah. The designs are great. I mean, the close-ups on Wally are great. Yeah. You know, the, the little even teeny characters that show up being, like, the little punching robot or the cockroach or anything. Like, there's just so many little things. So much things. personality. Uh, it works incredibly well. It's, it works on almost every level. Um, very solid movie in general. Yeah. You know, certainly like, you know, that's the thing I love about Pixar is almost never like, are they just like, all right, we got to pump out a kid's movie. It's like, now we're going to do something awesome. For and there sure, are hits yeah. and there are misses and there yeah. are things that are better and worse. But I think this is Pixar, if not at its best, pretty damn close. Definitely. I, I think that... Technically, for Pixar, at the time of what they were doing, this may be one of their most ambitious films. Oh, it's yeah. I'm just imagining pitching this movie. Yeah, seriously. I, from what I understand, I remember um, one of the trailers that uh, came out as a teaser was talking about um, a, a lot of the original ideas for Pixar movies were pitched at the same dinner meeting, and this is one of the very last ones that they did. And I yeah, they bought the booth that they sat in for that. It sits in the Pixar headquarters. Really yeah. nice. Um, so I, I find it interesting to see that this is like the, the last breath of, uh, this just straight era of innovation. And I, I think it continues. The original, on. like, few pitches, which was Bugs Live, Toy Story, um, Monsters, Inc. Incredibles and Finding Nemo. And then this was like sort of the last of the original ideas. For sure. Yeah. And I, not to say that there haven't been good Pixar movies since, but it was the last of literally the original ideas they came up with in the booth. Yeah. And also Cars, but, uh. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I do think at the very least this is one of Pixar's most thematically rich movies. Um, I think that in terms of what it has to say of um, the sort of uh, like political or pointed message, 
it's probably at the top, if not maybe dethroned by uh, one of the Incredibles or just any movie that Brad Bird touches. Mm-hmm. But um, I still think, obviously, it has a lot to offer from the angles of just science fiction and the dystopia we've been talking about to just kind of like Chaplin-esque uh, silent love story that you get for a good bulk of it, right? Like, there's there's just charm at every angle you approach it, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, it is a it is a movie that is just full of love. Um, it's full of heart, and yet it is um, it's it's deep. Yeah. They've got a lot to say, for sure. and you know maybe we've imputed it with a little more <laughs> than yeah, yeah, yeah. was there. But guess what? That's what good fiction does. Good yeah. fiction lets you do that. Like you know, that's a fun literary analysis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And does that like you know, is that going to change the fact that Disney is what it is? <laughs> maybe not. Oh. But um, you know. I'm I'm uploading this on Spotify. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so like, who am I fucking talk? Yeah, maybe the ideas will change the future for somebody at some point. But you know, mm-hmm. for now, we just kind of gotta pass or keep lighting the torch, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. So just just <laughs> believe. Will things get better? Yes, in the 29th century, when a robot comes to save us. Yeah. In the meantime, we should probably be developing one of those bad boys ASAP. Yeah. Yeah, I got them Axiom schematics, baby. Yeah. All right. Well, Harris, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm not going to promise what we're going to talk about next week because I already lied. Um, nice. <laughs> I already lied once. Yeah. I already Thoroughly japed again. Yeah. I'll, I promise I'll do a Fahrenheit episode at some point. I just don't have anyone to do it with yet. Um, anyway, you know what I always say, uh, if you've listened before, don't be a for-profit person in a for-profit world. Have a great day. Thank you. Guys, later. Sorry to bother you, guys.